And so if you have a Bible, I want you to find the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, and that's way to the right side of your Bible, uh, Hebrews. And this morning is the fifth week, the final week in our series of messages. We've just called it Rooted. Uh, it's been a great study for me personally. I have loved this. We're talking about being rooted in Christ, adding more depth, adding more strength to our spiritual lives. And, and this series is really built off a, a passage of scripture. We've, we've shared it every single week. Colossians chapter 2 says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And this, uh, this series has just left me praying and prayerfully approaching my life and my relationship with God, just saying, God, I've got to go deeper. God, I can't stay where I'm at. I need to move forward. I, I, I don't want to just be stagnant and complacent. I don't want to just be a cultural Christian that says I'm a Christian or whatever. I want this to impact my life again and again and again and spread out from me to my family and to whatever that looks like. I, I'm just, I'm hungry and I'm desperate for God to work and to move and for my life to go deeper. Let, let's not be shallow Christians. Let's not be stagnant. That's not how this is supposed to work. It's so, it's so clear. Just as you received Jesus, which is this beautiful moment we have with God where we receive eternal life and, and forgiveness and all of that, but it doesn't stop there. There's so much more. There's so much more to this. And we look and we see, man, we can be rooted in God in a different way, strengthened in, in all of that. We can, we can go deeper. In fact, there is a God who is inviting us deeper and inviting us closer. And it's there, it's there. we find joy and we find peace and, and we find rest for our weary souls and all of that type of stuff. And so we've been talking about depth and we've been using the illustration of a tree understanding that the strength and the health of a tree above ground has everything to do with the strength and the health of a tree below ground. You understand that, right? It's like the root system has everything to do with that. And there are all sorts of things that contribute to the health and the depth of a tree and the roots and all of that. We talk, we've talked about soil content and got a little farmy and technical. Is farmy a word? I think it should be. So we, made it, we made it a verb. Okay, and, 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 But we talked about that and, and and, and we talked about how the word of God, and Jesus tells this story where our heart's response and connection to the word of God has everything to do with, it's, it's like food to our, to our very soul and brings depth when we begin to do that. And it was a challenge for us to move forward in the Bible when it comes to our lives, memorizing it, reading it, studying it, talking about it, all of that type of stuff. Uh, and then we talked about, last week was such a powerful conversation where we talked about how our roots as Christians, our spiritual roots, actually uh, grow stronger in times of struggle more than they do in times of good things. And when we struggle, if we approach it the right way, our roots actually grow, go down deeper, like a tree in the high winds that is forced to adapt and forced to grow in order to survive in that way. Uh, the roots, roots respond with more depth and more strength when there's higher wind. Let's be people that grow in our struggles and learn how to do that. 
because your struggles can actually destroy your spiritual life if you don't approach it in the right way. That's the problem with shallow roots. But your struggles can also cause you to go so much deeper. And so that was last week. It's a biblical principle that shows up in a number of places in the Bible. Rejoice when you suffer because suffering produces endurance and character and hope and all of that. And so this beautiful biblical idea of how we grow in our struggles. And so if you missed that last week, what a great, what a great um, great idea as we cry out to God and we reach out to each other and uh, we say, God, use this junk for your glory and my good. It's such a good thing. All right, that's enough of an introduction. Uh, and so let's get into this today. I want to ask you to please stand with me all over this place. Stand up like you're excited to be here. Come on. Some of you are like, oh, I'm too old for this. And I feel that a little bit too. That's all right. But this is Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse number 22. We're just going to read together and pray together before we get into this. And so Hebrews 10, 22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us continue, or let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. God, we, we pause and just invite you into this moment right here, right now, and we pray that you would uh, work and move and help and teach and breathe on us and all of that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do your thing. Uh, and so, Lord, let your word speak. Uh, let your word challenge us. Use me and help me. Uh, God, we, we truly just submit this time to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right. Well, if you were here like a month ago, uh, you heard me briefly mention the unique root system of these great redwood trees out on the West Coast, and uh, they are fantastic. How many of you have driven out to California or Oregon or whatever, and you've seen those? Like, they are so big. They have places where you drive your car through the trees. That's how big these things are. They can be upwards of 300, 350 feet tall. They are unbelievable. Uh, what a sight to see. And... Uh, I, truly unique. And, and, and the, what makes them ex especially unique is actually their root systems. And uh, the redwood trees are not like uh, most other trees in the way that they work. Uh, and typically when you see a tree, what you see above ground is like representative of what you see under the ground. And the size of the canopy is strategically and specifically sized to the size of the root system. And that's just how trees typically work. But redwood trees, though some of them are like the largest, tallest trees in the world, reaching heights of 300 and whatever feet high, incredibly massive, but they actually have extremely shallow root systems. And, it, and it's fascinating. Uh, it can be as extreme as 300 feet up above ground and barely six feet down underground. Think about that. 
Like think if you take a football field and you tried to somehow make it go straight up in the air. That's how high we're talking. And under the ground, only like my height. That's nuts. That, that doesn't make sense. How, how in the world can this, can this work? It doesn't seem possible, but redwood trees have what's known as intertwining roots. Uh, and their stability does not come from their depth, but it comes from intertwining their roots with the trees around them. And go ahead and put that next picture up here for me. Uh, I, I had seen this in an article. It's kind of fuzzy because I blew it up, and so it's all pixelized, and that's, but that's okay. Uh, it, it was an article that, that they were doing in this scientific thing, and this was the picture that they showed. And these trees, these redwood trees, are able to be incredibly strong, incredibly stable as they form these intertwined underground network of roots. Uh, in fact, a 300-foot-tall tree can have roots that spread out as much, as much as 100 feet in every direction. So six feet down, 100 feet in every direction, and they twist and they lock and they even merge and they grow into each other. And not only does this pro- provide incredible strength, as you could feel that and, and, and see that, but these trees also share nutrients with each other, uh, water and different things, and they help each other. And it's almost like the entire forest is intermingled and intertwined and stays healthy together. That's cool, huh? Now, I can, you can already figure out uh, where I'm going with this because all the smart people come to the first service. Uh, but we are strengthened spiritually First, as we go deeper into the things of God, and we've been talking about that over and over again, it's been the past, the, fo- the focus, but second, we actually go deeper into the things of God, and our spiritual lives are strengthened as we become more and more connected with each other, uh, with the body of Christ. And if you've never, if you haven't been here very long, and you've never maybe heard that phrase, the body of Christ, it's the Bible way of saying the other people in, uh, in the church or in the kingdom of God. It can go outside of our building right here. But we are stronger together than we are apart. And a few moments ago, we, we read this passage of Scripture from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is this fantastic New Testament book, which just means it was written after the, the life and death of Jesus. And towards the end of this letter, and that's what Hebrews is, it's a letter, uh, there's this, these, just these handful of lines, and it's what we read, and it just speaks about kind of this idea, both when it comes to our relationship with God, but also when it comes to our relationship with each other. And so let, let's look at this again. It just says, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now there's some imagery and some different things that we read about this, but what we have is this beautiful language describing our relationship, the relationship between God and people, specifically people who have responded to the gift of God through Jesus, the gift of salvation. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith, like we come to God sincerely, humbly, filled with faith, knowing that our sins have been forgiven and washed away, we hold on to that, is is the language here. We're filled with hope by that. Now understand, this is the relationship between God and his children. And we could continue to talk about this again and again, but that's really been the past few weeks 
talking about that. And, 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 and we experience God in our struggles in and and, and that way. We grow through prayer and through the word of God. And we've been fleshing this out again and again. But then the author here just like transitions and gives a second part to this. And you can see that it's completely intertwined and connected to the first part. Why? Because there's an and in the middle of it. There's an and here. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, cleansed from guilt, washed, hold and swim to hope, and let us consider how we may spur another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Draw near to God with a sincere heart. There's this beautiful personal thing, developing spiritual roots, but you need to understand something, uh, and, and this is important. Write this down. Your relationship with God is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Your relationship with God is personal. There's a personal piece to this, but, your, but it was never meant to be a private thing. And see, in our culture... We've just become so individualistic, and if you study this stuff in history and specifically, you will find that like America right now is the most individual-focused society and culture that our world has ever known in the history, and it is who we are, and it's the way that we think in all of that. I was just, I was reading a book recently, it was called Reading the Scripture Through Western Eyes, and, and, and the, the author was making this argument that there are just ways as Americans that we read the Bible that are so immensely inaccurate because of just the way that we have, and uh, all this stuff, and one of the entire chapters was on the difference between individualistic and communal society and the, the author here made this argument saying the, the Bible and the people of the Bible did not live lives like they, they lived a communal, community-focused, family-focused way of living all the time. Large groups of people living together and sharing and doing all that type of stuff. And we are not like that in any way. And I'm not necessarily even saying that's bad, except it can open the door for us to miss some things when it comes to the Bible, because we talk about our personal lives, and that's important to us, and, and the result is that our spirituality naturally just becomes a very personal thing to us. We even say you need a personal relationship with God. We say that, and I understand that we're all going to give an individual account to God at some point for our lives, but just understand like, if we're not careful, we can easily miss this beautiful together part that the Bible just is all about, all the time. This together piece, your relationship with God is personal, but it was never meant to be private. One article I read this week uh, was using the redwood tree illustration, and so it caught my eye. And it just said this, it said, although the redwood tree looks tall, and separate above ground, so tall and separate, individual, above ground. Uh, it stands strongest when connected to other redwood trees via this underground network of roots. Likewise, likewise, Christians, though they may be strong in their individual faiths, are most stable when closely connected to other Christians. And listen to me, you can develop strong spiritual roots on your own. You can. As you get into the Word of God and as you spend time in prayer and you do all, you can go deeper with God all on your own. That stuff goes a long way to building strength and spiritual depth. But understand this you will never go as deep 
and be as strong spiritually if you go at this alone. Never. You won't. And I remember when I was in college, uh, the year was 1999. It was a good, I, 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 I went to high school back in the 90s. What's going on? Okay. And uh, uh, some of you remember that. Uh, but I went, I was in college and it was the very first year that the Minnesota Wild became a thing in St. Paul and the North Stars had left and I was devastated about that and okay because I grew up going to some of those games with my dad and and different things and then uh, we get this new hockey team and so I went to college downtown Minneapolis and we me and a couple of my friends decided we're going to go to a hockey game and so it was the first year of the Minnesota Wild we go over to St. Paul and we don't have tickets we're college kids we got a few dollars in our in our pockets and that's it and we find this guy on the street who's just, he has a little sign that says, I got tickets. And so we're like, okay, great. And so we walk up to him. We're like, okay, we need four tickets. And he says, 10 bucks. And we're like, sweet, $10. Can't do that anymore, can you? Okay. <laughs> but we buy these four tickets from him and we, uh, we take them and we give him the money and we start walking and we get there and we're almost to the, the stadium. We're like a half a block away. It's right there. And this was just a few blocks that way. And all of a sudden, I read the ticket, and I'm just looking at it, and I was like, guys, what's the date today? <laughs> and, and we, you know, I, we didn't have cell phones even at this point, and, we're, and, and we figured out uh, what the date was, and we we're like, these are from yesterday's game. And, and so we're like, we just bought ticket, that guy! And, and, I, and I need to explain to you who the other three guys were that were with me, okay? So the first guy was um, this short little guy. He's like five foot six, 140 pounds. But he was like, he was like famous in our college because he could bench press over twice his weight, like over 300 pounds, this little scrawny dude. And just a beast of a dude, even though he stood this tall. Okay, that was guy number one. Guy number two was like six foot two, 240 pounds, and was an incredible athlete on the football field and different things. And just, uh, just a guy, like not overweight. You just stood next to him and you're like, holy smokes. Like this is, what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's crazy. And then the third guy was one of my roommates and he was about 6'3 and just a uh, weightlifting, ripped guy. Uh, they were all three better looking than me. I was, I was funny, okay, at least. And they were just, okay. But this is, so this is who I'm with. Are you with me? And so we find out in this moment, these dudes ripped us off. And so we're, we're like, let's go find him. And so the four of us take off and we're running down the road. And this guy sees us coming about a half a block away. And he's going, oh, stink, you know. And he's like a 50-year-old dude and uh, not in great shape. And he tries to outrun us and we catch up to him. And, I'm, and I, this is who I'm with. And so I, I take the lead here and I get right, I get right in the guy's face. And I say, give us our money back. And I, I think I even went like this a little. <laughs> and the guy said, oh, okay. And he hands us our money back in that way. But can I, can I just tell you, that's a funny illustration, but who you are with matters in life. <laughs> who you are with, it changes the situation, both good and for the bad, by the way. And spiritually, this is so true, and 
part of growing spiritual roots is being purposeful and strategic about who we surround ourselves with. Purposeful about that. Uh, not so that we can like physically intimidate people, and like, but, but, but sincerely for God and for our spiritual depth. And so what I want to do just for the rest of the time we have together is I want to lay out for you three types of relationships that every follower of Christ should have. Through this, if you're a note taker, this is you're gonna love this because it's just like outlined bullet points. Three types of relationships every follower of Jesus should have, and I'm not just talking about like, well, yeah, I think I kind of have that. Like, I'm talking about purposeful, strategic. Yes, I have all three of these. And for somebody here today, this this right here has the potential to just absolutely transform things for you and your future. If you if you like make this a thing for you to send you on a trajectory of growth in that way, okay? And we're going to word these in a way that hopefully you can remember. So here's the three. We reach up, we reach down, and we reach out. So let me, uh, let's go through these one at a time. Relationship number one, every single Christian should have this. You should reach up to someone spiritually stronger and more mature than you are. As a follower of Christ, You should be strategic about finding these relationships, finding a relationship with someone who is farther along in this journey than you are. Someone who's been doing this longer than you, someone who understands things maybe that you don't understand, someone that you look at and you think, I want my spiritual life to look more like that. You understand? We should be strategic about that. The book of Proverbs says it this way, walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. The implication is you walk with people who are wiser than you and you will grow wiser. You you can figure that out. And the opposite is true as well. In fact, the translation uh, writes the second part of this, a different translation that actually just says, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. And this is true in every area of your life, by the way. Even if you don't even, you're here today and you don't even care about any of this God stuff and you're just here, like understand this runs true in so many different areas. It's true in athletics, okay? You, you don't get better by playing with the, the 10-year-old neighbor kid. You get better as an athlete by, by performing and competing against people that are actually better than you. And it's fun to be the best player on the court, but that's not how you get better, or reach your potential. You get better by, okay, uh, same with music. We have all sorts of musicians in the place. It's nice being the best musician in the room and everyone talking about how great you are. You don't get better by doing that. You get better by surrounding yourself by musicians that you think and you, you're like, they, they are so much better than I am. I better step it up and learn and grow. And now it's true in business, all right? Where, where you, who you surround, it's true in schooling, all this type of stuff. If you want to grow, then you begin to learn how to spend time with people who are in a way better than you. And of course, we're not talking about one person being better than another in the sense of, okay, the way that sounds. But you can, more advanced in whatever issue that is. You prioritize getting around people who are farther along than you. Walk with the wise and you become wise. And I'm just telling you, as a follower of Christ, you should have people in your life strategically placed who are farther along than you are. And you will experience growth as, in a way, they pull you up with them. 
When you get around them, some of the most influential things in my life uh, are, and, and my personal growth don't come from sermons and stuff like that. They come from when I get around people who are just more brilliant in the things of God than me, and I just sit there and eat that up. And they push me and they move in that way, okay? That's relationship number one, spiritual mentors, leaders, all that type of stuff. And I'm not just talking about your favorite YouTube person that you found that you listen to who can say anything they want, by the way, with no accountability, and you have no idea whether they're even right on any of it or not. That was a weird little tangent that wasn't planned, and that's okay, all right? But come on, a real person, finding spiritual mentors, people who are going to pull you, push you, challenge you in your faith, that's number one. And, and, and it leads me to the question, relationship number one leads to the question number one, do you have that? Are you doing that? Do you have somebody in your life or multiple people in your life that are pulling you spiritually forward? Because you should. Walk with the wise and you grow wise. Relationship number two. Write this down. I like this one. Reach down to help others mature in Christ. Reach down. This is purposely, just like we strategically reach up to people who are spiritually ahead of us, we should also in the body of Christ be reaching down to those we can help grow. Not looking down on people like they are inferior, but sincerely, humbly, in all that way, like just looking at, looking at this from a perspective of I want to help people grow in their faith and how can I do that? Just understanding there are always people who are just starting out in their faith. There's always people who are younger than you, less experienced than you, haven't been in this as long as you. All right, I meet, I meet almost monthly with a group of three other pastors. We go to lunch in Alexandria. All three of these pastors are about a decade younger than me, or five to ten years for sure. And we sit down. All of their churches are smaller. All, they're less experienced. Okay, Even though I look at these guys and I'm like, you have more talent than I've ever had. You are fantastic pastors and fantastic people. I've just been doing this longer than them. And I'm farther along in this journey uh, in, in what I do. And so we sit down and almost everything that they face, I'm like, yep, been through that. That was awful, okay? Saw that before, okay? And we just can have those conversations. And so it's strategically in a way reaching down. I'm not saying they're below me in any way, okay? Can you feel and understand what this, what this means? Now, can I, can I just talk to some of the high school students for a minute? Like, understand, if you're an upperclassman, listen to me right now. If you care about the things of God, please understand for a moment the influence that you can have on the younger generation, on the kids. Like, like as a high schooler, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th grade students are looking up to you all the time. They are watching you. They're watching how you respond. They're watching how you talk. They're watching what you do and what you say and all of those types of things. Whether you want them to or not, they are watching you. And, and like if, if you're an athlete and you're a varsity athlete, just understand you got 8th and ninth graders who are looking to you. And, and what we find in teenagers is that very rarely do we find a, a, an 11th or 12th grader mature enough to stop thinking about themselves for a moment and actually invest in those that are under them. And so we have a youth group filled with these, inc we have incredible students and incredible, and there's just this beautiful opportunity for the older students to invest in the younger students. And I'm just kind of crying out saying, let's do this. Come on. 
You, you've got sixth and seventh graders that you can pull up and show things and you can learn. It starts by just saying hi to them. Like, know their name. Ask them. All right, that's enough of that right there. Okay, but that's so good. Listen, do you want to know who had more impact on the kingdom of God than Billy Graham? I'm going to tell you right now. Are you ready? And some of you are like, Jesus, no. Okay, that's not what I'm getting at. He did, but no, that's not what I mean. Okay, but you know who had more impact on the kingdom of God than Billy Graham when you read his biography? The neighbor farmer dude who led him to the Lord when he was a teenager and discipled him. Why does he have more impact on the kingdom of God than Billy Graham? Because he gets credit for everything Billy Graham did plus Billy Graham. See what I did there? Okay, the, the most... The greatest thing you may ever do for the kingdom of God may not be something that you personally do. It may be in somebody you pull up and invest in. That's good right there. You should be nodding. You should be like saying, wow. You should feel a little goosebumps right now. Okay, that's, power, that's powerful stuff. That's powerful stuff. Older generation. You're not off the hook here. And, I, and I'm, I'm almost done with this tangent. But I, I know it's easy to whine about the younger generation and people have been doing it for years and years and years. Like, I know they're not always responsible. I know you see through, you see into their culture, and you just think, wow, this, like, it's all kind of going the wrong direction and, and, and all of that type of stuff. But can I just tell you, as a follower of Christ, older generation, the solution is not, it's not getting together with people that are just like you and thinking the way that you think and talking about them. The solution is for you, to go pull them up, to mentor them, to call things out of them, to help them grow. Do you hear what I'm saying? This can be a powerful thing as we begin to reach up to those ahead of us and reach down at the same time. Can you feel how this should work? Okay, First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, I love this. The Apostle Paul says something that can seem kind of arrogant, but it's not. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Think about that. And the phrase, follow my example, in the original language, is just this idea of imitate me. Do what I do. Watch me. Uh, another translation just says, follow me as I follow Christ. There's this idea of reaching down and pulling other people. That's relationship number two. And not in an arrogant way. This is not, I'm so mature and you, I, you really need me. Okay, get it. That's, that's nasty. But sincerely, humbly, follow me and I want to show you how to follow Christ. I love that. And the question that I have is, are you strategically doing that? Are you being purposeful about doing that? Or is this thing for you just become so consumed about me? Come on, somebody. Reaching down. Every Christian should have that. So we reach up to someone who is, that, that is stronger and spiritually more mature than we are. We reach down to somebody to help them, pull, pull them up. And finally, we reach out for strength, for encouragement, accountability, and strength. Proverbs chapter 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is not steel sharpening aluminum, okay, or diamonds sharpening coal or whatever else. Iron sharpens iron is equals, sharpening each other. And we need that in our Christian lives. Uh, we, we like that people that we journey with, people that we grow with, 
people that we really don't think of as past us or below us when it comes to our spiritual lives, people who are just, we're just on this journey together side by side. Uh, And in these relationships, we find encouragement. Uh, We link arms with them. We grow together, realizing that we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. See, and understand this, and I'm learning this more and more, when the wind blows in people's lives and tragedy strikes and things happen and all of that, like what I'm finding is in that situation, you really don't need somebody to, to come along and give you all sorts of theological reasons of why this happened. What you really need is someone to just sit there with you. Someone to just sit there. And if you talk to people who have been through hell on earth, they'll tell you that's what you need. Just someone to sit there. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 says, encourage one another, build each other up. Do you have people in your life that you are standing side by side, arm in arm, like your roots are intertwined, as weird as that may sound? Music team, will you please come? Your relationship with God is personal, but it's never meant to be private. It was never meant to be private. And I'm just telling you that you will not have this type of stuff unless you are strategic about it. You'll never, you'll never, it's not just going to magically show up and now all of a sudden you have all of this in place. This is about us as followers of Christ being immensely strategic and purposeful about who we spend our time with. We're not using people. That's not how it works in the body of Christ. But we are just, we're we're genuinely saying to someone, you are so much farther along than I am. Will you help me? Will you teach me? Will you show me? And we're approaching people and we're saying, I see a desire in you to follow Christ come follow me and let's do this together as I follow Christ. And then we just begin to reach out and we begin to be there and encourage and strengthen and keep each other accountable in that type of stuff. We reach up, we reach down, we reach out. Understand you will never go as deep, you will never go as far spiritually on your own. The right people in the right places in your life can and will have a significant impact on your future and on your spiritual depth. Please stand with me all over this place. Well, that was kind of fun, huh? Talked about trees, you saw me flex, like we're doing pretty well around here. But I am sincere in this. this This is a big thing. It's a big thing, it's a big deal for your spiritual life. It's part of being the body of Christ. Don't do this alone. Can I just say that if you, have, if you have these three relationships in your life and tragedy strikes, we don't see people like this walk away from their faith. As they are just grounded, like we ground each other in a new way. And it's a beautiful thing. God, we are grateful. We thank you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, speak to us, challenge us, teach us, change us, all that, God. We need you in this, in your name we pray. I don't know exactly what it looks like for you to respond to this today. Uh, 
I, I literally text or call people and ask them to be mentors of mine. Just like, can you do this? And then we sit down and we talk about what we want this to look like. I, I do that. I have that. Uh, and I do that underneath as well, if that's the right way to say it. And so I don't know what that looks like for you, I, but, but I just can't say this enough, how important it is for us to be in community in the right way, in strategic ways. Uh, the goal is for us to go deeper in the things of God. And I'm telling you, read, read the Bible, learn the Bible, grow in that. Pray and fast and seek God at different times and different ways. Like, learn to cry out to God in the right way when you go through struggles. These things are essential. But there's just, there's like a multiplier to this entire thing. And that's when you begin to do that stuff alongside other people. And it just like multiplies the, the whole time. I, I don't know exactly the illustration, but like, there's some crazy thing about you have those, those massive Clydesdale horses. And they, and they pull these huge amounts of weights and different things. And, and like, there's something crazy that happens. Look this up when, you, when I'm, we're done here. One, one can pull like 4,000 pounds or something all by itself. And you put two of them together and you're like 8,000. No, it goes to like 16. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. And there's this synergy and crazy thing that happens when they are together. They can pull like four times the weight of an individual. Weird things. It's, it's, it's just the same. It multiplies when we're around the right people. With no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection as we get ready to close. Uh, maybe you're here today and you've never really even started this relationship with God that I'm talking about, that we're talking about. There's a beautiful thing that God has done. He's made a way and there's forgiveness and there's freedom there's a relationship with God and there's peace and hope and all that type of stuff. It doesn't mean that life is easier. It doesn't mean that life even is better when it comes to some of the ways we think about it, but it does just mean that God is with us and we walk this earth with him right by our side. And maybe you're here and you've never responded to the message of Jesus that you can be forgiven with no one looking around. I'm not asking of like if you've been baptized or gone through confirmation stuff or even if you go to church. Like this is a heart thing between you and God and maybe you're here and you would say, Pastor Kyle, I've never truly responded in that way to the message of Jesus and I want to do that today. If that's you, will you just show me your hand? There's nobody looking around. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Beautiful. Anyone else that would say, yes, this is my day. Just a moment longer. This, like this, this is like the most important decision you will ever make in your life is what you do with Jesus. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to this. You can respond right now. It's not about being in a church in this moment. It, it's, really, it's about you responding in your heart to God. And church, let's just say a prayer together, everyone in this room. These aren't magic words, but it's, it's this heart thing between you and God. Let's just pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray.
Come on, put your hands together.